Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Chan. Good evening. And today we are discussing chapter 33 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. This contains the actual proposal from Mr. Crawford, the official one. We don't actually hear it, we get told about it. And then everything that comes after that, who obviously saying no again, and Sir Thomas being disappointed, and Sir Thomas saying, I'm not going to tell your aunts, then almost immediately turning around and saying, Mr. Crawford's telling everyone, so I kind of need to tell your aunts. Mrs. Norris being pissy, but not saying anything, and Lady Bertram giving Fanny the only piece of advice she's ever given her, you should marry a rich guy if he asks. Last chapter ended basically with Fanny walking into a room, Mr. Crawford being there, and the door being shut on them. This is the official proposal and we don't get the words we get it explained to us as it happened mr crawford has vanity which strongly inclines him to think that she does love him that she doesn't know it herself and when constrained at last to admit that she does not know her present feelings convinces him that he should be able in time to make those feelings what he wished and the word that's used is forcing her to love him He sees it as a challenge. Which is all aligned to his character and really is what attracts him to Fanny in the first instance. And goes on to say that she's not fallen in love with him at a drop of a hat like all his other lady loves. (sighs) He's excited about the idea of obliging her to love him. A little difficulty to be overcome was no evil to Henry Crawford. He had been apt to gain hearts too easily. This is a game for him. And of course, he doesn't realise that she has a pre-engaged heart. Yeah, Jane Austen makes that very clear, that she thinks Edmund's filled a space that therefore no one else can fill. But then later in the chapter, Fanny actually thinks, had her own affections been free, he never could have engaged them. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because of the suppositions that if Edmund hadn't been around, that Henry Crawford could have attracted her. Whereas we're getting now quite clearly saying no. Well, it's Fanny that's saying no, but it sounds like Jane Austen previously was saying that she thinks that Fanny probably would have felt something for her. There is a change here. He is not the man in the grounds of Southerton or the theatre at Mansfield Mm. Park. He approached her now with rights that demanded different treatment. She must be courteous and she must be compassionate and she approaches them with a strong feeling of gratitude. The difficulty is she is so uncompromisingly gentle and diffident in her refusal that he cannot see the underlying strength of her opinion or view. Because it appears to him an effort of self-denial, giving nearly as much pain to herself Mm. as to him. She repeats what she said previously. She's very clear. She does not love him. She cannot love him. She's sure she should never love him. It was quite impossible. It was most painful to her. She entreats him to never mention it again, allow her to leave, and let the subject be considered closed. Yes, at which point he goes off and talks to the vicarage. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the conference... Fanny is angry. She sees his behaviour as selfish and ungenerous. She very clearly says to him, this is painful to me. Any normal person would go, oh, I'm sorry, and step back. And he does not do that. So he's got the sensitivity of a bull. He's still so caught up in his own feelings. Fanny has a chance to think about it in front of the luxury of a fire. 
that her uncle ensured that she has. Sir Thomas says to her, you cannot suppose me capable of trying to persuade you to marry against your inclinations. But But he who had married a daughter to Mr. Rushworth, she considered how much of the truth was unknown to him. She believed that she had no right to wonder at the line of conduct he pursued. She also understands where he's coming from. He actually didn't encourage his daughter to marry Rushworth. He did try to stop it. He did try to stop it. And he doesn't know anything of the history. So absolutely on the surface, this looks like an ideal match according to the standards and the mores of that society. There doesn't seem any obvious reason why she wouldn't want him. Because also marrying for love was still kind of a new concept. Well, in those classes, yes. In almost any classes, really. He engages for Fanny seeing Mr. Crawford whenever he calls, but this time he doesn't make it a private thing. They've now had their private conference. He says you'll see him as you might have done had nothing of this sort occurred. Mm. You still have to behave normally. You can't go hide in the East Room every time he turns up, however much you may want to. I want you to have this opportunity to see him in a safe place Mm. and for him to have an opportunity Mm. to present himself. Mr. Crawford had no idea of concealment. He loved to talk mm-hmm. over the future with both his sisters. So Sir Thomas realises he has to tell the aunts, even though he doesn't want to. And he dreaded the effect of the communication to Mrs. Norris. Which is interesting. He knows now how Mrs. Norris reacts. But he started to see Mrs. Norris as one of those well-meaning people who are always <laughs> doing mistaken and very disagreeable things. He still can't see her clearly. He still can't see that she's actually deliberately nasty. He thinks she's just a little misguided, but she was angry, bitterly angry. She disliked Fanny, she had neglected her, and she would have grudged such an elevation to one whom she had been always trying to depress. How dare Fanny rise above this? She would actually then become superior to Mrs. Norris. Could you imagine having to make way for Fanny? Lady Bertram takes it very differently. She sees it as a compliment to herself, almost. And then gives Fanny the only piece of advice she's ever given her. It is every young woman's duty to accept such a very unexceptionable offer as this. And this lines up with what Sir Thomas is saying. She's allowed it to happen because if she hadn't let Chapman help her dress. Yes, it's all because Lady Bertram's maid helped her dress. And that is our summary of Chapter 33 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!